and I thought it would go along with our Sunday school lesson this morning. It's so good to see you and to be back here at the Corridor Baptist Church. I hope things have been going well for you right here in this part of our state, just over the Coast Range Mountains. We've been trying to the best of our ability over there. And all in all, things are going pretty well. Charlotte and I are doing pretty good. We're really excited. Our loan was approved. And tomorrow we're going to sign the note on a full tank of gas. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Take us a while to pay it back, but uh, at least it was approved. Amen. Yeah, I went by the gas station. It was 20 cents higher yesterday than it was the day before. That was crazy. But anyway, God's still good, and we're, we're thankful we keep on keeping on for Him. If you have, would you take the open to the New Testament this morning, Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. If you don't know us, we are the Bird Songs, my wife Charlotte right here. I thank God for her. She's been so faithful to the Lord. She's a preacher's kid, grew up in a pastor's home there in the Rocky Mountains. And a kid from the flatlands of Kansas. Grew up there, and somehow God orchestrated it where we both went to school in Oklahoma. And uh, there we met, and the Lord put us together, and we've been serving the Lord together now for 33 years. I thank God for her. What a blessing that she is uh, to me. And uh, 27 years ago, God called us to Tillamook, Oregon, to plant the Ocean Breeze Baptist Church. And I can't believe it's been 27, going on 27 years. And uh, I'm truly excited about what God has for us in the future. I didn't think I'd be in that small town for that many years, but that's been God's plan. And uh, the way the storms have been going this year, we thought about changing the name, Brother House, from Ocean Breeze Baptist Church to Ocean Blast Baptist Church. (laughs) I mean, we've had some windstorms over there uh, this year, but praise the Lord, we're still, we're still going. Ephesians chapter number 4 today, Ephesians chapter number uh, 4 this morning, we're going to start reading in verse number 3, and we'll read down through verse number 7. I brought this lesson to our church Wednesday night, I hope it will be a blessing to you today. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse Number three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, And in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Well, you may have noticed one word used several times. That word, that one word being the word one. Did you see that? This morning I want to bring you a lesson entitled The Seven Ones and the One in Seven. The Seven Ones and the One in Seven. Let's pray. Father, it's a blessing to be here with this church family. And Lord, wherever we go, we seem to be able to find good Christian people. And there seems to be a bond that binds our hearts together. It's unique. 
I think it's unexplainable to those who know not the Lord. And uh, Lord, we're so thankful for that. And here today we're praying that you might teach us from your precious word. And that you might open our eyes. And that we might see clearly what you would have for us today. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, did you notice there in verse number 3, it talks about unity, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. I believe that unity among believers is important, don't you? It is something I think we should strive for. That's why it uses the word endeavor there in verse number 3. Endeavor, that means to strive. It's going to take some energy. It'll take a little work to be unified. I think it's something that uh, we have to work hard for, endeavor to get. It's also something that we have to hold on to once we get it. Did you see that? Endeavoring to keep it. It's a little slippery at times. It's hard to hold on to. But it's something that's worth the energy. Endeavoring to get it and then keeping it once you've got it. Churches need unity. Christians need unity. Christian homes need unity, oneness, togetherness. Notice in verse 3 that unity is part of the Spirit-led life. Keeping the unity of the Spirit in the body of peace. The Holy Spirit leads us and we have to be willing to be led if we're going to capture this unity and be able to hold on to it. We can't do it by ourselves. We'll need the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, unity is based upon sound doctrine. There must be agreement on certain fundamental Bible doctrines if there is to be true, real Bible unity. Too often Christians are separated because of minor differences. We see this happen uh, from time to time. I know of a church where um, the pastor and his wife decided there was a little table in the back lobby. It was like a two-foot by two-foot table. And the pastor and his wife decided they would move that and replace it with a, a, a more a different table or something and boy did that cause strife in the church i mean people came into church that sunday and said where's our table we've had that table here for 40 years man they didn't like it they got on the preacher they got on the preacher's wife and there was discord in the church isn't that amazing you know there ought to be an ability to uh just let some things go. It doesn't really matter uh, what color the table is or who puts it there. If The truth is, if you had your choice and I had my choice, um, you'd choose something and I'd choose something. Of course, I'd be right. And uh, Right, of course. Yeah. In our church, we have a motto. Um, if there's disagreement, we just do it pastor's way. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. It's usually her way. But. We get uh, so tangled up in these little tiny things and fussing and fighting over things that really don't matter, or as my old mother from the South used to say, wouldn't amount to a hill of beans. 
hill of beans. But there must be agreement on certain fundamental Bible doctrines. Paul here shows these areas where Christians must agree to attain and keep true unity. Maybe you saw them there. I call them the seven ones. The seven ones. Well, let's look at them together, shall we? Did you notice here in uh, our scriptures, notice in verse 4, there is one body. One body. Now, this refers to the fellowship of believers. It refers to the church, doesn't it? In this case, it's, he's talking to the local church in the city of Ephesus. He says to the church, you are a body. You're a local assembly. You're the ecclesia. You're the called out assembly of believers in this place. You ought to be one. Of course, there is also, as I prayed a moment ago, that truth that true believers everywhere have something in common. There's a bond in those who truly know Jesus, whether it's here or in our little church in Tillamook or, or wherever you may go. The body. Uh, some months ago, our youngest son, Keith, his wife, Sonia, and their uh, children, we have four grandchildren. Um, we have two boys, two girls. And if you just like to see some pictures after church, she happens to have 3,000 of them, okay, <laughs> on her phone. They recently moved to Connecticut. Can you imagine taking my grandkids across the whole country clear to Connecticut? Lord have mercy. That's a long way. Three-hour time difference. It's tough being grandparents when your kids are that far away. I told Brother Rasmussen from West Coast that, and he said, thank God they're not in Thailand. Yeah, he has grandkids in Thailand. So I, I said, I knew you were going to say something like that. Why didn't you just show me sympathy? <laughs> anyway, they moved to Connecticut a few months back. Sometime last year, we were out there. We went to church, and a church we'd never been in before. Didn't know anybody in the church. Yet, we walk in. They meet us with a handshake and a friendly smile, and it seems like we'd known them for years. We were talking, and a lady comes up to me, and she begins to speak with Charlotte and I, and and uh, we told her we're from Oregon. She said, oh, really? I have a sister that lives in Oregon. And she said, you probably wouldn't know where it's at, though. She lives in Hillsboro. <laughs> I said, hey, I do know where that's at. Yeah, it's just right over the, the hill from us, about 65, 70 miles away. She said, well, she goes to a Baptist church out there. You wouldn't know anything about it. I'm sure it's Corridor Baptist Church. <laughs> I said, yeah, I preached there just recently. That's my friend, Pastor House. I know many of those people out there. She said, my sister goes to church there. She's sitting back over here. We talked about it before church this morning. See, there is a bond. There's a unity that believers have in the Lord Jesus. Amen. And when we come here and see you, we shake hands and we see you. Most of you we've met before. And uh, sometimes I remember your name. Sometimes I don't. But I know that you love Jesus. 
I know you love the, the body, the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Somebody said, well, what's, so big, what's the big deal about the church? Jesus is the head of it, and it's the only organization for which he died. That's why it's such a big deal. It's a big deal. The body. Thank God for the local assembly right here, Corridor Baptist Church. I was saved in a little Baptist church in the Ozark Mountains of Arkansas. Thank God for that assembly there, Faith Baptist Church. We moved to Kansas not long after that. One day, my friend in junior high school invited me to uh, go to church with him. We weren't in church at the time. That didn't really appeal to me that much. But he said, if you come over on Saturday, we'll play all day. And Saturday night, he said, I'll make pancakes. Now, I wasn't interested in church, but I was interested in pancakes. So I spent the night with him, and he took me to church the next day. His dad was the Sunday school teacher for the teen group. We were teenagers, and my, how God spoke to my heart. I went home and told my parents I had, had a great time at Sunday school and church with Dan. His name was Dan. I have a message I preach from time to time called Dan the Man. He was the man that God used in my life to get our family in church. A teenage boy. Dan the Man. The next week, knock came on the door. There was the pastor. He said, hey, Brother Kevin came... Or, he said, Kevin came to church last week. I want to invite the whole family. Now, my parents, they weren't really thinking about going to church. They were just going to let uh, me go if I wanted to go with Dan. But after he left, my mom said, you know, maybe we ought to go one time to kind of see what it's like. And then Kevin can go with Dan if he wants to. We went to church on that Sunday morning. And oh, the unity in that little Baptist church in Quenimo, Kansas. A huge metropolis of a hundred people. But the people were so friendly and so loving. And those people seemed to have something that we needed. After church, we went home, had lunch. My stepfather said, I think we ought to go back. And from that time on, friend, that body of believers loved on us. And we learned to love them. And it was there that God got a hold of our lives. It was there that God got a hold of me and called me into the ministry. I thank God for that little body of believers in Quinnamo, Kansas. Off to college in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. My, what a change of pace from a little church of about 50 to the great Windsor Hills Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, about 2,000. Man, I was a flatlander, just a, a, a kid from the country. I, my eyes were open quick. One day I was walking on the bus route with a friend of mine. His name was Kevin as well. We worked on bus number five. And man, we were walking down the hot streets of Oklahoma City, knocking on doors, inviting boys and girls to ride our Sunday school bus. And the topic of girls was brought up. That happens sometimes among young men. Kevin said, I know just the right one for you. I said, uh-huh, I'll bet you do. He said, no. He said, you've got to meet this girl. She's from Colorado. Her name is Charlotte. 
Now, he said, she's not here. I was there during the summer months and summer school. She had went home for the summer. She had already uh, completed her freshman year. He said, she'll be here in the fall. You've got to meet her. She's just the right one for you. How do you know that? Well, I just think I know it. Do you know later that fall, I did meet that girl, and she was just the right one for me. I don't know how he knew it. But there was a oneness. Oh, the unity in that church. Thank God for it. After college, off to the Landmark Baptist Church in Evansville, Indiana, where I was an assistant pastor and the youth pastor and also the a principal of the Christian school. And my, how Brother Curvis and the family there uh, received us and loved us and thank God for it. That local body, there's something we have in common. And it's Jesus. Amen. Since then, planting churches here in the West Coast and uh, seeing the Lord do some amazing things. Unity, one body. Notice next, one spirit and one spirit. Notice that's a capital S there. That's speaking of the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit who activates the body. It's the Holy Spirit who energizes the body. You know, you get up in the morning and you need some energizing, don't you? And most of you head right for the coffee pot, the coffee maker, and you get that energy going. Something in you to wake you up. Now, I don't drink coffee. I'm saved. <laughs> uh, the sister here asked me if I was going to step on some toes this morning. That's how I'm doing it. Yeah. I love the smell of coffee, but don't like the taste of it. So uh, I, I drink cup of hot tea every morning. Doesn't that sound manly? Yeah. <laughs> I drink a cup of hot tea every morning, kind of gets me woke, woke up, ready to go. But it's the Holy Spirit that energizes the church. It's the Holy Ghost that comes down and, and floods the body and fills it with His presence and with His power. And that's why when you come to church, you feel different than where you go anywhere else. That's why when you come to church and the preacher preaches, uh, he, it, you think he's been spying on you all week long and, and investigating you and trying to figure out all your sins. It's not him, friend. It's the Holy Spirit. And he's the one that when we respond to that conviction and we uh, make it right with God, he's the one who brings a peace and a, a comfort in our spirit that the world cannot understand and one that the world cannot take away. One spirit, the Holy Spirit. Notice then it says, even as you're called in one hope, we're talking about the seven ones, one Hope. I love that word hope. Don't you? That's a good word. I was born in a foreign country, Arkansas. And uh, I lived there until I was nine years old. When I was about seven, maybe six, six or seven, my old granddaddy, he said to my mama, he said, I've got to go down to Hope, Arkansas. Down in the southern part of the state, there's a little town called Hope, Arkansas. And he said, uh, we're going to tear down an old barn down there. We're going to put it on the trailer. We're going to bring it back here to my farm and, and rebuild it. And he said, can Kevin go with us? 
man, I was so excited to go to Hope, Arkansas. I'll never forget that journey as I went with my granddad and a couple of my cousins, and we went down there and spent an entire week dismantling that old barn. Oh, for me, it was such an exciting time just to be with my granddaddy, whom I love so very much, in Hope, Arkansas. Bill Clinton's from Hope, Arkansas, and Hillary. But it's still a good place. Now my granddaddy is with the Lord Jesus. I miss him. He's a, such a great guy. He knew the Lord as his Savior. I have a hope that one day I'll see him again. And it's more than the hope that maybe the world would describe, just wishful thinking. Hope for the believer is a well-founded, well-grounded expectation for the future. It's based upon Bible principles and Bible promises. Not only do I wishfully think I will see him again, but I have God's word on it. He's a Christian. I'm a Christian. There's a place there where the Lord Jesus is. We will be reunited one day. One night I had a dream here a few years back. I don't put much stock in dreams. But we were going through a very difficult time, and I dreamed that my granddaddy, I could see him walking towards me. Now, my granddaddy was a farmer, a rancher, and he always wore a pair of big Smith overalls. That's just the only way I really ever saw him dressed. And he was walking towards me in those big Smith overalls, and he was saying, he saying, he said, Hammer, Hammer, that was my nickname. Granddad had a nickname for everybody. When I was a little boy, I was working on a car with my daddy, and uh, he was hammering on something there, and the head of the hammer came off and hit me in the head. And so my granddad started calling me Hammerhead, and eventually just shortened it to Hammer. I still have that ball-peen hammer in my garage and I look at it and think of granddad. He's walking towards me, hammer, hammer. And I, it's like he was beckoning me towards him. And so I started moving towards him. About 10 feet out, the overalls changed to a three-piece suit, tie. I never saw granddad dressed like that. And he walked toward, towards me and about five feet away, just put his hand out and like, like, stop, don't come any closer. And he looked at me and said, hammer. It's going to be okay. It's all going to be all right. I said, well, I know, Granddad, but... And he turned and started to walk away, and he said, it'll be okay, Hammer. Again, I don't put a lot of stock in dreams, but it did bring me comfort, hope. That glorious future to which we are all called. Pastor House and his family and Sister Jimna at the funeral for Brother Ron's stores, but that's not the end of his life. That was only an event in his life, and now new life begins, has already begun for him. That's our hope. We have a hope that Jesus is coming back. The Bible says it's a blessed hope, Titus 2, 13, looking for that glorious appearing and the blessed hope. 
I love that, don't you? One hope. One hope. Then it says, one Lord. The seven ones. One Lord. This refers to Christ, to whom we all belong. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Oftentimes in the New Testament, he is referred to as the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord means master. He's the one that we gladly serve. He's the one that we want to serve. He is our Lord, one Lord. Not multiple, not many, not several, but only one Lord, only one Savior. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We have to agree on these things if we're going to have unity. Oh, but what about uh, this uh, religion and this religion and this uh, so-called deity or this so-called Messiah? No, no, you can't. There can't be a lot of unity if we're believing those things. We have one Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. One. One body. One spirit. One hope. One Lord. And one faith. One faith. Did you see that one? This is the faith. Faith in Christ. That one great standard of truth. That one great body of doctrine which God has given to the world. One faith. It's our singular commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ. Only one faith. Now, we live in a world where there are many denominations, many uh, different groups. We are sitting today in a Baptist church. You're listening to a Baptist preacher. I was saved in a Baptist church. I was baptized in a Baptist church. I got uh, married in a Baptist church. I went to a college which was a ministry of a Baptist church. For 30 plus years, I've pastored Baptist churches. I am a Baptist. But it's not the name Baptist that makes the difference. It's the, the faith, the body of doctrine. Amen. I'm a Baptist for a reason. But I know folks in other denominations who are saved, who love God. I wish they'd get right and get into Baptist church. But I thank God for them. One faith, one baptism, continues on. One baptism. This baptism is the sign of entry into the church. The night I got saved in that little Baptist church in the Ozark Mountains, the assistant pastor preached that night, and he preached on the subject of hell. You know, we need preaching on hell from time to time. He preached on hell, and I'm telling you, he made it so vivid. I mean, I could almost feel the flames. I was just a, a nine-year-old kid. At the end of the message, he said, but if you accept Christ as your Savior, he'll save you from that. You don't have to go there. He loves you so much. Won't you be saved tonight? They started the invitation. I was standing beside my mother about 
five rows back on this side, and I reached up like kids do. I pulled on her dress to get her attention. She had her head bowed, and she looked at me. I said, Mama, I want to be saved. And she said, I'll go with you. Thank God for mamas like that. That'll take the kids to church. By the way, folks, did you know that there is only a 0.02965% chance that your child will become a professional athlete? But there is a 100% chance that they will stand before Jesus. So get them to church. Thank God Mama took me to church that day. I walked down the aisle and the pastor took the Bible and he showed me from the Bible how I could be saved and avoid that awful place of hell. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but I know I put my faith in the Lord Jesus. I know I talked to him and I asked him to forgive me and to be my Savior. Oh, happy day, happy day. When Jesus washed my sins away, he taught me how to watch and pray. Happy day, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. Then the preacher said, well, hey, why don't you just go ahead and get baptized tonight? And I said, well, what? And he explained to me about baptism. He said, now you don't have to be baptized to be saved, but you ought to be baptized because you are saved. He said, it's the first step of obedience after you're saved. He said, you ought to be baptized to, as a testimony to all these people that you were serious and meant what you said and meant that you're truly committed to Christ. My mama said, well, we didn't bring any extra clothes. The preacher said, you know what? And this was a small church. We didn't have baptismal robes or anything like that. You just got baptized and dried off with a towel. You know what I mean? And he said, it was kind of in the cool time of the year he said i've never known anyone to get sick by being baptized and so i got baptized that same night in that little church i've never forgotten it one baptism have you been baptized by immersion in deep water identifying with the church and then next one god one God, verse 6, one God and Father of all. He's our Father, and He keeps us for, our, for all eternity. He's our Father. We are His sons and daughters. Amen. The seven ones. Now, I want you to look with me at verse number 7. But unto every one of us is given grace. Now this is the one in seven. We saw the seven ones and now the one in seven. This one is not a part of the seven ones. This one, who is it? Well, this one is every one of us. Did you see that? Every one of us. Who's the one? Who's the us? It would be everyone who ascribes to the seven ones. Everyone who believes in the seven ones. Now, we're getting to where there can be real unity. True harmony. Everyone is given grace. I love that in verse number seven, don't you? But unto every one of us is given grace. Oh, how I need grace. How you need grace. 
Not only do we need grace from God the Father, but we must extend grace to one another if there's going to be unity in the church. Now, grace is not compromise. You see, we're in agreement upon the seven ones. We're not compromising on that, but we might compromise on the color of the carpet or uh, this, that, or the other. We give someone some grace. Aren't you glad there's been some folks that have given you some grace when you were still growing and maturing in the Lord and didn't know any better? Thank God for them. It's not just saving grace, but it's serving grace. Every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. That's the standard, the gift of Christ. Well, you may get to thinking, I, I'm a pretty graceful kind of guy. I, I've really been, I've shown a lot of grace to these folks. But compared to the gift you got from Jesus, it's not much. That's the standard. He is the standard. Grace to be in unity with other believers. I recently talked with a pastor who told me, he said, recently we lost half our church. We had an old-fashioned church split. They got to fighting over something. I don't even know what it was. He didn't even tell me. He said, but man, it's been so hard. So hard. It shouldn't be that way in the church, friends. It doesn't have to be that way. If we remember the seven ones and the one in seven. If we hold to the seven ones and then the one in seven, that's me and you, the one in verse number seven, that's me and you, if we can remember we've been granted grace and so we also grant grace to others. There is no doubt in my mind, that there can be great unity, harmony, if this is the case. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Father, thank you now for the seven ones. Help us to think about these things. Help us to uh, maybe study them one by one in the scriptures so we know. I just hit on a few highlights this morning. Help us to remember the grace that we have been extended. May we who believe in the seven ones extend grace to one another. Then there will be unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you folks.